This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. The vibes are way up in Steelers Nation following a big win against the Denver Broncos to get the team off the schneid and end their three-game losing streak. Labs, how are your vibes today? You feeling good after that win? You feeling good on a Wednesday here with me? Victory Wednesday week. Victory Wednesday. That's fine. We can call uh, it Victory Wednesday. Let me just let me just explain to you my world. Okay. okay. I love this inside look. Okay. So after the game against the Bengals, um, the queue for Asked and Answered was op- a- empty at opening kickoff. By the time the game ended, there were 104 Ooh. submissions in there. People and need their you- answers, lads. Okay. I I don't think I ever got over 25 <laughs> after a win. So nothing motivates Steelers Nation more than a loss. Maybe nothing motivates them more than a loss to the Bengals. Uh, but we haven't played the Browns or the Ravens yet, True. so we'll have to see. But, um, yeah, it's in terms of anger versus joy, which is the predominant emotion, I'm going with anger. Well, despite the fact that Steelers Nation is joyful this week, we still got a good batch of questions here for you to answer. And let's get started with a little Bob on Bob crime. Bob Meredith asks <laughs> you, Bob Laviola, and Bob is from Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. As a Steelers fan of more than 60 years, I seem to remember a Steelers team in the 1970s starting 1-4, and four, then going to the playoffs. Since I am not capable of doing the research, I'd like to ask for your help in determining if that is correct. If I am correct... That should shut down the current group of naysayers. Uh, yes, Bob, you are in fact correct. Um, I, 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 I know that there is no one else uh, in this building, I don't think, besides me, who was alive in 1976. <laughs> I know Tom was Maybe not. Saverin. Maybe Stan. Is he here? That's okay. it, yeah. All right. So, But anyway, <laughs> uh, yes, it was 1976. The Steelers uh, were back-to-back defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, they started off one and four, and one of those four losses was the one in Cleveland, where Joe Turkey Jones uh, planted Terry Bradshaw on his head after the whistle blew. One of the dirtiest plays I've ever seen, next to Miles Garrett maybe ripping off Mason Rudolph's helmet and hitting him over the head with it. You know, strange stuff seems to happen in yes. Cleveland. Yes. Um, but anyway, so yes, they were one and four. In that season, uh, it was still a 14-game season. So, one and four, that meant there were nine games left. The Steelers won them all. Mm. Then uh, they came back They came back to win the uh, AFC Central Division, is what it was called then. Um, they went to the playoffs. They pounded the Baltimore Colts in the divisional round. Uh, but during that game, they lost both Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer to injuries. And that was significant because once Bradshaw was hurt, Mike Kruzik, uh was the backup. He came on. I think he started six games, uh, and the game plan was pretty much hand the ball off to Harris or Blyer. Harris and Blyer both finished the season with 1,000 yards rushing. Wow. Franco Harris also had 14 rushing touchdowns. Mm. Blyer had Five rushing touchdowns. That's 19 rushing touchdowns in a 14-game season. And over 2,000 yards. And over 2,000 <laughs> yards. So uh, you can tell what the focus uh, of the offense was. But by far, 
by far the strength of that 1976 Steelers team was its defense because during that nine-game winning streak, they had five shutouts, five, and they only allowed a total of 28 points in the entire uh, nine-game winning streak. And I believe that 12 of those, or no, 16 of those were scored in one game. Mm. The Steelers pounded the Oilers uh, 32 to 16, I, I believe the final was. So you're, you're you're talking about a defense that gave up 28 total points in nine games, with 16 of those in one game. So obviously the five shutouts uh, were a big part of that. It's easy to make up for your starting Hall of Fame quarterback being out when the other team's not scoring. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Hall of Famers, that Steelers defense, um, eight players on that starting eleven, and this still was an era when there weren't wasn't a lot of uh, sub package football, as Mike Tomlin refers to it. Um, eight guys, eight of the 11, uh, played in the Pro Bowl. Um, two of those eight were voted first-team All-Pro that year, and among the 11 starting defenders, four of them would be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That 11-man defense finished with 46 takeaways, 41 sacks. Um, so, Yes, uh, there was an era, there was an era when you could win in the NFL with defense, and it is my opinion that that is the defense that spawned the rules changes that took effect for the start of the 1978 season. Uh, they were put in effect uh, at one point during an owners meeting in 1977. 1978 was when uh, it got easier to pass block. It got easier to run routes because. Um, defensive backs could not contact receivers until the ball was in the air. That's also known as the Mel Blunt rule right. because uh, you couldn't – guys couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. I mean, he would just line up directly on you. The ball would be snapped and grab you and throw you on the ground. 28 points allowed in nine games is just something that my small brain can't wrap its head around. I mean, in today's NFL, if you go two games giving up just 28 points, you get a showered Offen- with roses and Offenses scored more than 28 and a quarter. That's what I mean. And the Steelers for nine straight games total didn't give up that number. It's just insane. Different era for sure. Greatest defense of all time, most definitely. Vince LaMarca from Oviedo. Do you mess with me with these names, Labs? I think no, you I do, do not. <laughs> Oviedo, Florida asks, am I crazy for thinking the NFL will someday have games every single night of the week? Um, <laughs> if this was agree to disagree, I would say uh, I would not be really uh, convinced that I would be right in saying, yes, you are crazy. Uh, but this is why I think that the NFL will not – go to every night of the week beyond the fact that you know there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. Uh, the NFL will not mess with Friday nights. That's high school football all over the country and you know encouraging uh, and promoting the sport for at that level helps people grow up to be NFL fans. Of course. Um, so Friday nights I believe are uh, pretty much sacred and if you notice too Saturdays the NFL does not play Saturdays until um, you're into the Christmas holiday season, which when most college football co- shuts down. Well, not shut down. They're in the bye weeks for the bowls, or um, there or, are some of the minor bowls start right, maybe around like the yeah BYU so, versus Fresno State. <laughs> yeah, cool going and, up against and, that. And, and a, lo- a lot of times, um, the game, the NFL and the 
the Bulls will work out the Saturday so that they're not competing against each other at the same time a slot. A bowl game earlier in the day, right? NFL or takes over later, right? Or, or vice versa. versa. Yeah. yeah. Martin Flashnick from Ellicott City, Maryland asks. Let's say we draft Arch Manning with our last choice in the 2022 draft. Would we retain rights to him when he decides for the NFL? Uh, okay, Arch Manning is um, Peyton's nephew. I think he's Cooper's son. Cooper's son, right. Yes. So that makes him his nephew. Yes. Um, Archie Manning's grandson. Yes. Okay, so he's he's not even in college yet. No, I Just, think it's his senior year of high school Okay. Right now. Um, once upon a time in the NFL in the 60s, there was such a thing as a future draft choice where if uh, an NFL team wanted to pick a player, and at that time, let me just digress here one second. At that time, uh, you had to be a senior, you know, in call. There was no coming out early. So, but at the NFL in that time, you could pick a junior, a guy who had played um, two years of college football because freshmen were not eligible yet. Right. Okay. So... And then uh, you held his rights until the following year's draft, and then you you got to sign him, kind of like the Larry Bird thing in yes. uh, Celtics. Goes back to NBA, NBA State. Yeah, year. right. Uh, you can't do that anymore, though. So uh, the way it works is NFL teams now can only draft players who are eligible for the draft and who have declared for the draft. And um, and then once that happens, say Arch Manning. Whenever he declares for the draft, okay, then all teams uh, are able to pick him. So again, if he's as good as you know the family tree indicates he may be, whoever has the first pick in that draft is probably picking him. So the answer to the question, a long-winded uh, way, roundabout way, is no. You can't do that. Yeah, this ain't hockey, Martin. This is a real sport, right? You don't get to go back to college and play a couple years with a team retaining your rights. Uh, Charles Lucci from Palo Alto, California, asks. Is there a status update regarding Stefan Tuitt's condition and potential timeline to return from IR? No. Mm, not so, a great answer. <laughs> I, um, but, I mean, that's, that's the fact. Uh, you're right. Yeah. That's the truth. I mean, Stefan Tuitt's on injured reserve. Uh, the NFL does not require reporting of um, injuries for, of players on injured reserve. And in, in terms of the timeline, uh, it's it, There is no timeline until the Steelers activate him for practice, and then you have 21 days to evaluate him in practice and make a decision. That, again, uh, I think we talked about this in last week's podcast, there are three uh, potential uh, ways a team can approach a player once his 21-day window of practicing has expired. Uh, the first is you activate him, put him on the 53-man roster. The second is you put him back on IR, and he um, stays there. He cannot come off through the conclusion of that season, playoffs, whatever uh, might happen at the end of the regular season. And then the third option, which I've never seen happen or heard about happening, but it is an option, you can cut the guy. Mm -hmm. Because once you bring him off IR and practice, he starts practicing, that means he is healthy enough to practice, and so then you can cut him. But, I mean, you don't put a guy on IR, carry him all that time, go through the uh, procedure of practicing him right. for 21 days, and then cut him. I mean, that's just, that would never happen, but it is technically on the book something you can do. So, um, Charles, all I can tell you is nobody knows anything, uh, and no, I don't think anybody will know anything uh, until the Steelers make a decision uh, to bring 
Stephon Tuitt off IR to have him start practicing, uh, or they don't, which is a decision uh, in itself. Definitely not going to cut to it. I think we can say yeah, that's I, very safe to right, assume. Right, yeah. But it will said, be on the roster. Yeah. Well, um, or IR. He or IR for yeah, the rest right, of the year, yeah. yes. Uh, just a quick note about that, too. Zach Banner has been practicing for a couple weeks. His clock is ticking. This is his last week of practice before he has to be eligible to play or he's on IR for the year. So something right. to keep an eye on during practices this week for the Steelers. Gregory Crum from Scottsdale, Arizona. Another Steph Tuitt question. If Stephon Tuitt remains on injured reserve for the balance of the season, can the Steelers keep the details of his injury a secret forever? If it were Ben Roethlisberger in this exact same scenario, do you think the fans and press would be okay with the team not disclosing exactly what his injury is, what his progress to recovery is, when he may return, and how it was sustained in the first place? Um, I could tell you this about the National Football League. There's nothing that is, remains a secret no, forever. No. Um, but again, as I uh, mentioned in the previous uh, answer to Charles, um, there is no rule requiring that uh, that kind of information you know, be disclosed. And so uh, looking at it, uh, you would have the only way the information would come out, and I'm, I'm, going, I'm basing this on your uh, scenario of Tuit remaining on injured reserve for the balance of the season. So the only way, where he, place you can get this information is from Tuit himself, um, from his agent, who I'm sure knows uh, the deal, uh, I don't believe anyone in the uh, medical profession would re- release this kind of information right. because that's a HIPAA violation. Right, they could not. right. and they, that that's that's bad business for doctors. No question. Um, when you uh, run afoul of a federal regulation, so. Um, but I I I have no I have no qualms in saying, it, despite what I just outlined. And the difficulty of finding this information out, the few sources that exist, I have no qualms in saying nothing in the NFL stays a secret forever. Um, And I don't like to say this kind of thing to fans because uh, I'm not disparaging them. But what fans think doesn't matter. It just it doesn't. I was just going to say, Gregory, butt out. Who cares what his injury is? He's injured. That's all you need to know. Um, But, you know, again – I, I get that there's a lot of interest in this, and thank God there is because, you know, this beats digging a ditch, what I'm doing here talking to you, Thomas. Uh, but, again, that, the, what it means to the fans um, really is not a consideration in the making of these rules or the uh, execution of them. The world needs ditch diggers too, Labs. Don't forget that. Alan Hart from You Surprised? I slipped the Caddyshack reference in, being – so youthful in my disposition. Well, I'm just glad that you've seen that movie. Oh, there are a lot of the people. Best. There are a lot of people your age who have not. Not me. Best comedy ever, in my opinion. Alan Hart from Greensboro, North Carolina, asks: I've noticed over the years that more and more teams, MLB included, have their own version of the terrible towel. Were the Pittsburgh Steelers the first to claim this distinction many years ago? And have the teams that now use their own actually copying what Myron Cope started many years ago? Um, no, the Steelers were not first. Uh, wow. The, I'm surprised to learn that, actually. Uh, you know, the whole uh, twirling laundry at NFL games was uh, <laughs> started by the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins, I, their Super Bowl seasons were 72 and 73. Uh, in the Orange Bowl at that time, they started with the white handkerchiefs. 
And what the Dolphins fans did with them, they didn't twirl them. They kind of, you know, have the, the way you shake pom-poms. In the SEC country, yeah, Alabama yeah. games. Forward yeah. and backward that yes. way with the handkerchiefs. Of course. Okay. So then the Raiders um, were also, at that time, this was before the Steelers really, uh, their dynasty of the 70s really uh, uh, matured. Then the Raiders and the Dolphins uh, were uh, sworn enemies. So the Raiders fans in Oakland, uh, Alameda County Stadium, Oakland, Alameda County Stadium, they started the opposite of white is black. Naturally. And that's their fans, or that's their home jersey colors. Right. So the fans there started bringing black socks. And those, I think they twirled those. Instead, instead of, of pom-pom waving. And pom-pom waving. So handkerchiefs versus black socks. And, and then black socks came after that. And then Myron's terrible towel was uh, for the playoff game in 1975 against the Baltimore Colts. That was the unveiling of that. Um, but when it comes to longevity, the terrible towel is the only one of those that has endured uh, and it has w- raised, I believe, I won't say hundreds of millions of dollars uh, for the Allegheny Valley School, but it has raised tens of millions of dollars uh, for the Allegheny Valley, the Allegheny Valley School. And thank God Myron made it a town. I mean, could you imagine a bunch of people waving a bunch of smelly socks around a stadium or some used handkerchiefs around? I mean, it's disgusting, lads. It's disgusting. It's Dolphins and Raiders fans. I would, I would hate for anything to offend your delicate sensibilities. Oh, my gosh. Disgusting. It stings the nostrils. Uh, Karsten Braun from New Wade. See, I, I know you're messing with me. New Wade, Germany. Greetings from Germany, Labs. So excited to get an NFL game in Germany in the coming years. It seems that at the moment, matchups for the international series are less attractive games, such as Falcons versus Jets, <laughs> which recently was played in London, and that's understandable. But I have heard every NFL team is asked to participate in the international series over the upcoming eight years. Are teams involved in the decision as to where they will play their international series game, and which country would the Steelers prefer? Please don't leave the fast-increasing and interesting German market solely to the hated Patriots. <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah, Karsten. really. Now, now I want to go to Germany. Yeah. Um, well, let me let me explain it like this. And this is with uh, the schedule of the regular season schedule every year. The NFL will allow teams to make requests. You know, teams, for example, from the East Coast that have uh, – two road games on the West Coast or vice versa, West Coast team that has two games on the East Coast, a lot of times they will request that those games be uh, put back-to-back so that they don't have to travel back and forth, back and forth a couple of times. They'll go to one from their coast to the opposite coast and stay. For two weeks. For two weeks. Um, You can ask. Um, It doesn't always, you know, happen. I don't even know what the percentage is, but I would imagine it's not even 50% of the requests for scheduling um, variances are even considered. So there's that. Uh, Art Rooney II, the Steelers president, this is and this is years ago now, uh, volunteered the Steelers for Mexico. There's a lot of Steelers fans in Mexico. The Steelers have a uh, Steelers.com uh, Espanol. Mm-hmm. Um, the the games are broadcast in Spanish. They have their own broadcast team and uh, do excuse me doing Steelers games. And the Steelers also now for at least five years have been doing an annual football camp in Mexico City youth football camp. So um, there is a lot of um, give and take already between the Steelers 
and Mexico, uh, Mexican uh, NFL fans. So Art Rooney II went to the NFL or let Roger Goodell know that the Steelers are okay with a game in Mexico. Now, a lot of things have happened since then. You know, you have the pandemic. Right. Uh, there was a problem with the stadium in Mexico yep. City. Uh, and so a lot of that stuff has either been put on hold or canceled outright. But when it gets back going again, you know, I don't know that um, that has changed in terms of uh, uh, what um, Karsten refers to as a preference. So we're going to have to see. And again, as I mentioned also, just because the Steelers have a preference to go to Mexico doesn't mean that that's where they're going to end up being assigned. And make no mistake, it is an assignment uh, from the league. So we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, All I can tell you, Karsten, is it could be worse. They could send the Ravens there. (laughs) And the Steelers have had their taste of international series play in the past, Mm -hmm. going to London to face off against the Vikings a few years back. Yeah, and there was uh, the the first game – uh, of the international series was a 1991 game against New England in Montreal. That was fun. I was there. Uh, 1993, there was a game in Barcelona, Spain. That was fun. I was there. Um, there was a game in 96, Tokyo. Uh, I like Tokyo, but you cannot even imagine how hot it is oh, I bet. Uh, in, to- in Japan in August. It makes sense that they'd spread the Steelers all over the place. They're the strongest international brand in football. And then um, – the best one, though, was uh, Dan Rooney's pet project, 1997, Dublin. Oh, now that'd be another cool place for them to go back to, play a game in Dublin. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's that's a little bit of – oh, and the Steelers did play a, a preseason game, Mexico City 2000, against uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the great Peyton Manning. Hosea McMurtray from San Antonio, Texas, asks, It was pretty hard to miss how drained the exhausted – how drained and exhausted, excuse me, the Steelers' defense looked after the game against Denver. Is there a league rule allowing or banning snacks on the sideline to supplement the water and Gatorade? Okay. You you work with Craig Wolfley a lot, oh, as yeah, do I. Oh, all the time. Can you, I, you know, I, I would imagine Wolf decide maybe he's going to try a comeback. If there were snacks on the sideline during NFL games, I think we might see Wolf. He would act- have never retired. <laughs> Or trying to, you know, do a little more extra cardio and uh, get back. Um, but, no, I, I don't know that there's a rule or not uh, specifically about food. Well, I've uh, seen Mark Sanchez eat a hot dog on the sidelines before. So if they need it, I think they can get did it. He, did he get – I think he got fined, though, didn't he? I think he? he did get fined afterwards, um, yeah. What I know that uh, there would be a rule against would be any kind of um, marketing or, you know, branding of – certain products that's not already in bed with the league. right yeah. so that's why you know gatorade um is league sponsored, is league yeah. sponsored. you couldn't have a different energy drink as an Correct. example that would cost you big money for that that's why all the tablets are microsoft tablets and right. ipads right it's microsoft not apple gets the sponsor right yeah. so um there, there would be that would be a rule but in terms of not allowing food see i just don't know that food is what those guys need in a hot uh, climate uh, when they are exerting themselves. You know, you need uh, fluids, some of the other Gatorade products that, you know, replenish uh, fluids and things of that nature, um, I'm sure are allowed. I think they have gum, um, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm sure that that's there somewhere. But I can't imagine eating a couple of slices of pizza in between um, series 
and then going back out and playing more football. I don't know how that would sit on your stomach. And, you know, uh, as Wolf was explaining, sometimes even the pregame meal that they serve uh, doesn't sit well with some players. And when you're an offensive lineman in your stance at the line of scrimmage and there's a defensive lineman right across from you in his stance at the line of scrimmage and one of them has an upset stomach, right. There you go. It's like the uh, <laughs> replacements. He ate all the eggs before the game and just puked on the football. Yeah. Right, right before snap into Falco. So, um, yeah, that's uh, – I don't think that that would happen. It's not a good combination, no. uh, eating on the sidelines. Unless you're Marshawn Lynch and you have a couple Skittles after a touchdown. Then I think you can get away with that one. Final question. Rod Kiefer from Edmond, Oklahoma asks, It's sorry to hear about Juju Smith-Schuster's injury. And although the Steelers have some depth at that wide receiver position, given the injuries to date, what would you think of pulling Travis Fulgham from the Eagles practice squad? He torched us last year and had decent numbers. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Let me just uh, give you a little background on Travis Fulgham, 26 years old now. He's a former sixth-round pick of the Lions. Uh, He did catch 10 passes for 152 yards and a touchdown during that 2020 regular season game against the Steelers at Heinz Field. He's 6'2", 215, played his college football at Old Dominion. Um, You know, if you're a receiver and you have no exposure or experience with a particular team, what you're looking at in terms of hurdles hurdles, uh, before you could – get on the field for that team. You'd have to learn the offensive uh, system, the terminology. Then you would have to develop a relationship with the quarterback and your other receivers and the offensive coordinator probably, and they would all have to develop a relationship with you. Okay, there's games every week. This is not a training camp situation where you can practice for two hours in an afternoon. Yeah, Ben's got no time to go off to the side with you and, and work individually. Right. Exactly. And uh, working with, let's just use names that would be realistic uh, in this particular point of the, of the season. Working with Dwayne Haskins doesn't help doesn't you. Doesn't help you. He may have the time because he's the third quarterback, but um, I don't know that they would want to dedicate the coaching staff. I mean, would want to dedicate Dwayne Haskins to working with an, um, this new guy. Yeah. Because he needs to still know what's going on uh, because on Friday, say, if one of the first two quarterbacks gets injured, then Dwayne Haskins – He's got a hat all of a sudden. He's got a hat all of a sudden. Then he's one snap away from playing on (laughs) Sunday. So he has to still be uh, in tune and up to date with the game planning, the meetings. So there's really nobody that they can just dedicate to bringing this guy, you know, up to date. The coaches don't have that time. You know, if it was the training camp or the preseason, you know, the wide receivers coach might be able to spend an hour, an hour and a half with you a day tutoring you, working with you, you know, all that kind of stuff. But none of that's real now. So, you know, it sounds good, uh, you know, and, it, but, and the thing is with these kinds of questions, it always indicates to me this is a fantasy football mindset. You know, if you have a fantasy football team, your receiver gets injured, you can quickly go to who's the next man in the depth chart? Or... No, no, the waiver wire, fantasy oh. football. This oh, time. okay, fantasy football, and snag. or make a trade, 
with somebody who needs a tight end and you got an extra tight end. It's just plug and play there. Yeah. Plug and play because they don't have to know the system or anything. It's just a, a mathematical, yes. statistical thing. Yes. Okay. So um, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and so th- I, I believe they will try to absorb the injury within the guys who are currently on the 53-man roster. Then the next guys up would be the guys on the practice squad because they've been there probably since the beginning of the season. Yes. Maybe Training not camp, quite as right. long, but yeah. So they at least understand the playbook. They know where, where the cafeteria is on the at the UPMC uh, Rooney Sports Complex, so they know where to go uh, to get their ankles taped. They know where to go to get their lunch. Uh, a new guy, does he's going to have to learn all of this. And then if there are any additions – uh, I would imagine they would be added guys added to the practice squad. So there could be more injuries, and it changes the perspective. But for right now, that's the procedure. That's the way I would expect the Steelers to proceed. You know, for the past, like, it seems five years, it seems like the narrative on the Eagles is they need to get help in the receiving core. So I don't think signing a guy off their practice squad who can't even crack their roster at that position, I don't think that's going to pay much dividends for the Steelers. If he can't crack the Eagles roster – what good is he going to do on the Steelers roster? He had 10 catches for 152 yards last year. Oh, I'm sorry. Then. I guess he's a world beater. What are the Eagles doing? They must not know how to run their organization over there. They have the next Julio Jones on their <laughs> roster. Just practicing on their practice squad. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. As always, thanks for giving us a listen. For Bob Labriola, I am Tom Opperman. Don't think we'll be back next week because of the bye week. If not, we'll talk to you in two weeks, or maybe you'll find us next week too. Who knows? Just have to keep your eyes and ears out for it. It's like that. Christmas morning. Exactly. You come down in the morning to see if Santa maybe, left you anything. Maybe you'll have a fresh episode of Aston Answered to open.